Hey, this is the podcast of Sue Wesleyan Church's sermon from our Sunday worship services. I'm Pastor Brooks, the one who usually teaches here. Whether you're a regular attender or just listening in for a sample of what our church is like, I really hope this benefits your growing relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, I grew up a kind of a church kid. And so this, uh, this sermon series about figuring out God's will for your life, all the places you go, how will you know is the title of this teaching series that we've been in, preaching about it on Sundays, and many of you are involved in groups that are studying this. How many of you are in groups that are studying this? See some hands up. That's cool. Um, John Ortberg has written a great book uh, by the same title, and there's a great uh, companion to this that uh, people are going deeper into this. But growing up a church boy, you know, I was kind of taught like you, you prayed and then God would tell you what to do, right? So that's, that's what you were supposed to do. And that didn't always work, right? I figured like either I'm not praying right or God's not really doing what he's supposed to do. And it took me a long time to learn that, that uh, you know, what's critical about getting guidance from God, what's critical about decision-making isn't so much about the circumstances that I inhabit, but God is concerned about the person I'm becoming more than the, the roads to choose. And as, as Pastor Mitch preached last week about trying to figure out the, the will of God for our lives, there's definitely some areas where we shouldn't go, right? Like, if, if we feel like God's leading us to be a drug dealer, he's not, right? Unless that's a pharmacist, that's legal. Um, but, like, he's not going to lead you to be a thief. That would be one of those things, if you're trying to line up God's will for your life, you, you use his word first, you know, Ten Commandments sort of stuff. Love God, love others sort of stuff. If this isn't going to help me love others, I probably shouldn't be doing it. But then there is another thing we, we try and line up our way into, into the harbor that God's leading us into is, is through our experiences. Has God spoken to me now? He really does actually speak now. But also, have others affirmed the direction I'm, I'm thinking I ought to go? Have others said, yeah, this, this is a direction. The brain things we can line up as well as, a lot of people forget this one, the brain's in your head. God gave you the ability to reason for a reason. He, you know, none of us, like, when we get thirsty, go, wonder what God's will for my life is. We go get a drink of water, right? Like, that's, it, God's given you in his divine providence, common providence to most of us, some common sense. And so we're to figure out, okay, is this stupid or not? Not that God has never asked somebody to do something weird, we, we, we can't just reason, well, I don't want to do things that are weird. We, we need to determine, is it right? Is, it, is God leading me this way? Is God speaking through other people? And you know what? Sometimes he, it, we, some people think they got to be guided by God's will into the parking space at Meyer. It's like, ah, just park already. So we're talking about open doors. We're not doing a series on um, Monsters, Inc., uh, though that could be fun. Um, we're, we're doing a series about open doors. And open doors, we've said, are opportunities. They're not guarantees. We're not guaranteed when there's an opportunity before us that it's all going to work, work out just great. And we've said that we're not so much in charge of opportunities, in charge of the doors that come to us, as we might think we are. 
But what we are in charge of is when a door is opened, how am I going to respond? How am I going to pass through that threshold? Sometimes it's what you do after the door opens that makes all the difference. I'm going to look at one short verse in Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 11. Pretty simple stuff here. It says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in, in passion and excitement, but keep your spiritual fervor. Don't cool down. Stay Stay white hot on fire serving the Lord. You know, what often matters most is, is not the decision, which path do I take, but how I execute it. Am I executing it well? Am I going? Somebody said, it's better to go through the wrong door with the right attitude than to go through the right door with the wrong attitude. Bringing your best self. Jill and I got another dog last Sunday. And it took a whole week to work it into a sermon. Um, this is Doug. He's nine weeks old tomorrow. And he's like this big. I've got my nine-year-old for scale, Maya, there. Um, and, and Doug is, uh, he's tiny, right? He's a, a multi-poo, shih tzu mix sort of thing. Uh, we thought about naming uh, Doug something like Brutus or Goliath because he's, you know, as a joke. But we think Doug is kind of funny too. So if you hear us complaining about like Doug pooping in the house, Doug peeing on things, Doug sleeping with my wife, it's our dog, right? Um, but uh, so Doug's, Doug's going to be a lot of fun for us. Uh, we're, we're excited for him. But right now we're in that stage of potty training where he's got like a, a bladder the size of a marble and we got to let him out like every five minutes. So 27 times a day we let him out the door. But then coming back in, there's, there's a bit of a threshold for our door that we let him out in, as most doors are. There's, there's a little bit of a step up there. Well, this little guy has trouble, you know, with that step where most dogs, or at least the dog that, that we have currently, you know, can take one step at a time and just kind of climb stairs. This dog is so new at walking, so new at everything, that it, it comes to that step and it puts its feet up on the threshold. And, and so, so it comes up on that threshold and I, I kind of push it back, right, with my foot because that's not going to work, Doug, you can't just like, pull, you're, you're not like, he doesn't have like the pecs to like pull himself up with those front paws. It's never going to happen. He's got to jump. And so I'm pushing him back from where I'm like calling him in, but then he just sits there on that top thing. But I'm pushing him back because he needs to jump through. He needs to hop. He needs to commit. This isn't some like, it's either in or out, man, and we want you in. You know, hopping is something that children do. Something that, that we lose somewhere along the way. We've, we don't skip anymore. We keep one foot on the ground. But maybe we should hop. Hopping's what we do in moments of great joy. And if you're going to go through an open door, don't limp across the threshold. Hop. One of the reasons we don't hop is, is because, you know what, it's, it's a big jump and, and I've been hurt before. We get this thing called buyer's remorse. 
You know, you're, you're choosing a decision, a school, a, a major, a, a car, a, a home, whatever would be a big decision. Because the bigger the decision, the bigger the chance of buyer's remorse being involved. Because, you know, like if you buy Skittles instead of Milk Duds, it's like, nah, it probably turned out okay. It's a low commitment sort of thing. But on those bigger things in life, there's, you know, picking a spouse... There, there's the worry that there's going to be buyer's remorse. But do you know in the Bible, it's not, there's not a formula there that's repeated very often where God calls people to do something, they get a deep feeling of peace about it, they obey, and then it's just smooth sailing. That's rarely the formula where, where people just, they hear, they, they get a peace, they go and they do, and yay, it works out. Often, it's usually there's calling. Yeah, God's guiding in some way, and then there's just flat-out terror, right? This, this just comes along. You see these people, and then they're, okay, I'll obey, but then there's big problems, and then so there's more terror, and then there's second thoughts, and then that middle section kind of repeats itself. Well, I'm going to go to terror. Now I'm going to obey. Now there's more problems, and it repeats several times, but do you know what usually leans towards, at least many times in the Scripture, it leads to deeper faith. It leads to deeper faith. So having second thoughts, it's not unusual. It's not an automatic sign that you have made the wrong choice. It's not even a good predictor of the future. I mean, big decisions are big. But the Bible doesn't command us to, to play the hypotheticals of buyer's remorse. How many of you, you know, after buying a car, you still watch another car. After you're buying a house, you're still looking at other houses. The Bible doesn't recommend when you marry somebody, keep tracking spouse B and see how they do. It, you know, if you're having difficulty in your marriage, the Bible doesn't say try spending large amounts of time speculating on what would have happened if you would have married someone else. Vividly contrast this hypothetical strength of this fictional spouse with the high definition flaws of your actual one. Don't do that. That's, we're, not to, we're not to track plan B in this hypothetical thing and mourn that we didn't go with that job or that, that school. You know, there's a cure for buyer's remorse. There's a better way to go through the door, and it's with all your heart. It's hopping time. We've said this before, Jill and I have, to, to many circles of people, and it sounds very unromantic, but... We, we think there might have been another spouse out there for each one of us, a type of person out there for us. But we think it's romantic to say, I'm with you. I choose you. I'm committed to you. You're my person. Because in, in that sort of situation, when we say, we got, we got a great marriage, right? Right? <laughs> Just nod, honey, nod. Help, help brother out. But, but we say, I'm your person, you're mine, and there's so many people out there like, maybe I missed that one, you know, unicorn of a person out there that was for me, and now I've set off a whole chain of events that, that can never be done right. As Christians, we need to hop, we need to go all in. Sir Walter Moberly said, if one-tenth of what you believe is true, as a Christian, you ought to be ten times as excited as you are. Dr. Lewis Evans, a prominent Presbyterian minister, said, to our grandparents, becoming a Christian was an experience. For our parents, it was a tradition. For many today, it has become something useful or convenient. 
Why do, why do I share that? It's because many of us, we don't hop anymore. Because for, for us, Jesus, God, church sort of stuff is not something that we have a firsthand passion for. We don't have a relationship with God. It's been passed to us maybe as a tradition. Mom and dad sure thought it was important. Maybe it was just a tradition for them. But somewhere along the way, somebody had an experience with Jesus that changed your family tree. But now it's just kind of a tradition for you. Yeah, we go on Sundays. Yeah, we kind of do this sort of thing. It's just kind of a tradition for us. But what's sad is even below that, there's this, there's this habit that, that gets created time and time again throughout generations. Is Then there's another generation that just kind of sees church as something useful. Convenient, let's say. Mom and dad used to go... But now I, I want to go still out of tradition, maybe, but only when it's convenient for me to sacrifice, will I? Only when I, you know, maybe if I'm at the beach, I'll download a Bible app, read one thing. It's convenient. What level do you live in? Have you thought about that? If, if you're not at that first place of experiencing Christ firsthand, it, you're going to suffer. You're going to be stuck in the rules. You're going to be stuck in, does this seem to help or not, rather than having a passionate, sold-out relationship with the creator of the universe. Elton Trueblood said, One of the ironies of history is that Christianity has produced so many cases of what the Savior Jesus fought. So many more religious people, and that's something he seemed to have fought. People who just kept the rules, who have diluted the inner life to the point where there's no joy, no adventures, no intrepid spirit. Yeah, we don't have any gross defects, but we don't have any outstanding virtues. We've refused to taste the pleasures of sin, but we've missed the deep joy of living with deep integrity, great integrity. It has been rightly said that Christianity is not so much like subscribing to a creed, as it is a relationship, it is love for God, a love with God. When religion is, is our a current relationship, our love is, is hot, when in, in its best usage of the term religion. Our love is hot for God, it's growing, but when it's tradition, our, our love starts to just get kind of lukewarm-ish, and when it's just, eh, my faith is kind of a, it's a little pet project of mine. I'm working on the spiritual me. Jesus warned against this in the church, to the church in Revelation. He wrote, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Another translation says, that is not love like, that you, that is not love like you loved me before. One of the things I think is missing from our church is zeal, fervor, excitement, and passion. I'm not talking about Sunday morning. I don't know how much better our music could get, but the reason I think sometimes the participation isn't there is because the white-hot love for God and each other isn't there Monday through Saturday. Because the people that I see shouting out and excited are either one of two kinds of people. One, somebody who likes attention, and I don't think we have that. I think we have people who are sold out for Jesus those other days of the week, and then when they get together, they're like, everybody knows this is a party, Right? We're celebrating what we've done all week in worshiping and serving God, that this isn't just some weak and miserable holiday that we put on Sunday morning, the one morning of the week that'd be good to sleep in. I mean, what a terrible idea it was, right, to pick Sunday morning. If Jesus wasn't alive, 
if he didn't rise from the dead, but he did. And that's why we picked this morning, is because that first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead. That first day of the week, the tomb was empty. And that's what we want to start our week with. The scripture talks, oh man, there was at least an amen there, thanks. What the scripture warns us about is going back in Colossians 2. It says, we're warned about going back to those basic principles of do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Setting up special days and months and seasons and holidays and doing it right for a show. You know, if there's bad parents out there and they throw their kid a good birthday party, does that mean they're good parents? Most of us would say no. Because it's not about just did you do it right on that special high day. It's about, are you a good parent the day in and the day out? Doing your best each day, each new day. Christianity shouldn't just be a tradition or rules. Because people who don't know Jesus, or they just get killed by the rules. But just because you're excited, the scripture warns us. It does not mean, just because you're excited, just because you're passionate, does not mean that you have love. Galatians chapter 4, verse 18 says, it's fine to be zealous. It's fine to be excited, guys. But he says, provided the purpose is good. Zeal without knowledge is like fire without light. You got it all, you got all of this, this, this warmth and this fire, but there's no truth. Lots of people in our world today who want they really honestly want things to be better, but they don't have a clue how we're going to get there. They haven't combined that with the knowledge. And guess what, guys? We've got truth to share. And sadly, there's many leaders who want you to get excited about them rather than about God's truth. Many people who would just like to rally others' emotions to causes. I forget who wrote this. I was looking for who wrote this. I had this saved from years ago. The author said, if I'm devoted solely to the cause of humanity, I will soon be exhausted and come to the point where my love will waver and stumble. We've had up around the room uh, this whole last three weeks these signs that point to different places that are serving humanity in our area and in all sorts of different ways. All sorts of different ways. And, and there's many more do-gooder groups around, right? I mean, there's tons of them. You're like, Where, where's my group? Maybe, maybe you don't have a group, and that's some of what we'll talk about this morning. But devoting ourselves to the causes of humanity, you're going to get tired. But if we would love Christ personally and passionately, we can serve humanity, even though they might treat us like a doormat. The secret of our of our life as disciples in Christ should be devotion to him. And that, you know what, we don't care if we seem insignificant. We don't care if our service seems mundane. We realize that, it, you know what, like Jesus said, like a kernel of wheat that falls to the ground and dies, it will spring up and change the entire landscape. It's okay if, if I serve and the next generation is the one that sees the harvest. And so as we look at some of these organizations around the room, I know it can be easy for us to just, uh, just say, well, we should get out our checkbooks. I mean, that's what we do if something's wrong, right? Like, I, I just need to fix it with money. There's this, uh, this thing I had seen on, on the internet. I don't know if it's true or not, but there was supposedly a school PTA that sent out this note that was an alternative fundraiser. Um, 
For $15, you could donate and say, I don't want to bake, so here's the money I would have spent on cupcakes. Like to make my donation. For $25, you could say to them, I don't want to hit up my friends, family, co workers, so here's the money I would have spent buying wrapping paper. For $50, you could say to them, I don't want to walk, swim, or run in any activity that has the word fawn in it. Here's the money I would have spent on my child's free t-shirt. $75, you could say to this PTA, I don't, I don't want to attend any fancy balls, so here's the money I would have spent on a new outfit. For $100, you could say, I really wouldn't have helped anyway. Here's $100 to forget my name. <laughs> really helping humanity here through this piece of paper, but I bet they raised money with this, right? <laughs> Titus chapter 2 says that Christ gave of himself to purify for himself a people. That's us. A people his very own, eager to do what is good. Not eager to just write checks for people who are doing good, but that we would be eager to do what is good. That we would, when we serve others, it would be like we were trying to serve ourselves. We would have enthusiasm that would bring sincerity to our actions. Jesus said, do you love me to Peter? And he said, well, feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. We've been talking, I think, for a month now in various degrees of saying there's something coming in this series, something we want to do, something that's going to be big, something that's going to go outside the walls of our church. Well, here it is. Um, it's, it's a part of our 2020 vision. What's our 2020 vision? Let me, let me review. I'm building excitement for what I'm going to talk about, and you're going to be disappointed. No, I, I hope not. Our 2020 vision here as a church, we've got some goals, some strategies um, for, for the next uh, many months through the end of uh, the year 2020. The first is a goal of, of baptism. We want to see life change happening, new birth happening among us. And so we've got some goals there that uh, we're just believing to, to get ready for these things. We've got goals in, in our, our worship gathering numbers that not just the numbers, but the people that we would be reflective of our community that anybody who lives here could come in and say, you made this place for me. This feels like home. We're probably going to have to have three worship services to make that happen. That's part of, of what we understand there. The third part of, of our 2020 vision is a vision, uh, and you've heard maybe a little bit more about this, and you've been so faithful to give to this since June. We've had almost $22,000 come in and be split up in this way, paying off debt, going out into some of the, the global and local missions. 10% of, of every dollar goes, goes out to these things, and as well some uh, saving for building uh, additions to us, add to our facilities in some way or another to grow, uh, to grow a, a nest egg for that. Um, the, the fourth way that we've talked about is leadership development. And this is something that we're, we're still trying to define because we believe that God wants us to reproduce reproducers, to make discipling disciplers, people who can lead, lead the charge, lead in the church, lead around the world. But the last part is, is this goal that we have for spiritual development. And it's hard to say, well, how are we going to measure our maturity? How are we going to measure that we're growing as a church? I mean, there's no like, like, like part on your back that we can open up and like, like see like a, a spiritual odometer for how you're doing. Or like there's no spiritual Fitbit, right? Like that we could just all sink together to the cloud and see how we're doing. But we have a goal that more than half of us would be serving on the clock. This is how we're, we're saying, you know what? 
If we love God and love others, that should show up on our calendar. And so we should be averaging five hours a week. And some of you are way past this already. But we we should be showing our love through T-I-M-E. That we'd be in a worship service together. That you'd be serving in the church, maybe in youth ministry, maybe in coffee, maybe you'd be leading a men's ministry or leading uh, just in some way. You'd be working on the building or, I don't know, some way in the church. But then you'd spend a, a time in a group that you'd be together with fellow believers week in and week out. And then finally, and this is the component we'll talk about, is serving in the community. And this one is one that the church we're not always good at. We're not always good at getting outside of the walls of this church historically us and many other churches, to make a difference. Jesus called us to be the salt of the world, the light of the light in the darkness. And so we, we've got to do that together. And so we want, we want you to go out there because we, I believe this will change you. You think this is just to change the community. God's going to use this to change us. And so we want to incentivize this so that, so that you would go out and do this. So three easy steps. I don't want to make this. I, I can make things sometimes more complicated than they ought to be. Three steps to the, the work in this thing we're calling the 2020 Community Service Drive. Um, number one, choose a nonprofit organization. Choose a local one. Doesn't have to be in Sault Ste. Marie Zip Code. Just some, some organization that's doing good around here. Number two, give five hours of your time. Serve there. Between now and the end of the year, serve five hours of of your time giving, jumping, hopping in, and serving alongside other people. And number three, turn in your blue card to the church. We've got uh, uh, two pieces of paper here. One's blue, one's green. I'll tell you about the green here in a second. But fill out this blue thing. It's just, what's your name? What's your phone number? Where did you serve? When did you serve? Get somebody there to sign it. Somebody at that organization to sign it, and we'll mail them $101, the church will. So if 100 of us do this, we'll be sending $10,000 out into our community. One of the um, wonderful problems we've had here at the church is your giving. It's exceeded our budget. And so we want to invest that in the kingdom. God didn't call us to sit on the money that's his. We need to send it out in the community. And what an exciting way to, what, I can't think of a more exciting way to send it than with you. Because you need to be there anyway. You've been wanting to be there anyway. You've been thinking, I'm, you know, I'm interested in that. I've got a friend who's calling me into that. You know what? I've got some scars that I don't want somebody else to have, and I want to serve in that way. So for every hour you serve, we'll send 2020 with, with you. Now you have to serve the whole five, $101. Can you imagine if 200 of us did this, $20,000, what it could do in this community? Some of you are already serving, and you're like, great, I'll knock that out in the next five weeks. And awesome. We really don't want this to be complicated. We're not going to do an audit of wherever. If you say you serve there and you get some signature, we're going to send money to an organization that does good in this community. Is that okay with you? Now, it can't be like Trevor's Hot Tub Charity. Um, It can't be like Disney for the Murray family. Um, It needs to be a real organization that's serving in this community. They don't have to be a church thing. And so this morning as we end our service, we're going to have these up here. Um, As we would sing, you can come as we would sing and grab one of these. These will be available in the weeks to come. But we want you to be somewhere that, that fires up your passion 
Somewhere that you can hop into and serve. Jesus said to, to the Father, he says, As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Jesus doesn't say try and avoid the world. He doesn't try and say uh, do with them as little as possible. Just hang out with Christian people in the church. Try and stay away from the bad people. He says you are sent into your job, into your community, into your networks, into your neighborhood, into your circumstances, into your situations. That's why you're on this planet. And so Jesus said, I'm sending you. Jesus doesn't want people who are just devoted to him spiritually, but people who are wide awake and willing to face up to reality and get involved in a strategy and some tactics to be effective in changing this world with love. So as, as the worship team would sing, I'm going to spread these, these out here. The green piece of paper um, is just some other charities, some ideas, some contact information. So you can't say, oh, I didn't know the phone number to get involved. Ah, oh, we took away your excuse. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, call them. And, it, and if that organization says, no, we really don't want you to serve. We really don't want the money that would come along with you. Tell us that and we'll get their heads examined because... <laughs> Who wouldn't want this? Who, who wouldn't want people who are willing to jump in and serve alongside of them with passion and bringing the love of Christ with you, bringing somebody else alongside of you? If you're scared, bring somebody else along. Say, let's do this together. Let's partner together in serving someplace. I'm excited for this. Let's, let's pray and we'll sing. And during the song, come on up and grab one of these. Father, Many of us, we, we've been burnt before with going through the doors. Uh, we, we thought we had an opportunity and uh, something, went, something went awry. And God, I thank you that you can take from the wreckage of our mistakes and, and lead us in a whole different path that we couldn't have gone on without that wreckage. Lord, I pray that we would walk and hop through open doors again. Give us the faith of a child. Give us the joy of our salvation. Lord, we're not trying to earn your favor. We're not trying to do PR work for the church. We want to love you. So help us to say yes. Help us to grow in ways that we never could if we would just uh, stay where we're at. Bring us out of complacency out of slothfulness into courage into fervor into zeal it's in jesus name i pray